You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake and I'm a lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad that you've joined us, whether in the room or on Zoom. Glad to have y'all as well, especially today as we continue uh, the vision series that we started two weeks ago. And in this uh, series as a church, what we're doing is we're talking about what our big dream, our big prayer, our big desire is as a church and what our role is in helping to partner with God to bring it about. And if you're with us the last two weeks, you'll know that our, our big prayer, our big, our big desire is that, it, is that uh, God's kingdom will come and his will will be done in Austin as it is in heaven. And, uh, or simply put, we're saying it, our big dream is in Austin as it is in heaven. And, and the reason why that is our big prayer is because, I mean, just think about what heaven's like. Like in heaven, uh, everyone knows and experiences the presence of God. They know how he loves them. They know who he is. They know what he's done for them. And in response, they worship him. They love him and they trust him. That in heaven, everything that is broken in our relationship with God is made whole and we are made whole as a result. But not only are we made whole, our relationship with God is made whole, but also our relationship with one another is made whole in heaven. That everything is broken is made right. That in every relationship, uh, there, you find wholeness and, and, and peace and unity and flourishing in div- diverse community. You find unity around Jesus and love for one another because of God in heaven. Justice reigns in heaven. The last are first in heaven. Everyone experiences peace and rest and joy. Like, who doesn't want that? Like, that's what we want for our city. That's what Jesus wants for our city. Really, for the whole earth, all this just comes out of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. This is what Jesus taught us to pray for. It's our big prayer as a church in Austin as it is in heaven. But as we've been talking about in this series, we say, okay, well, if that's our big prayer, then what's our role in that? Well, friends, our role is twofold, okay? And they're both extremely important. The first role is that we are to pray for it. Like we're to really do what Jesus taught us to do. Let's pray for this. And I hope that you have begun doing that. If you've been with us the last two weeks, I hope you begin praying like, God, what did you make it in Austin as it is in heaven? That this would become a part of your regular prayer. That's a key, very essential, vital role that we play a part in making this a reality. But there's another way too. Second way we partner with God to bring this about is by following Jesus or what we say around here, by practicing the way of Jesus, because as we said week after week, Austin's going to become more like heaven as we become more like Jesus. And so, in this series, we've been talking, kind of drilling down on that idea, because you know the idea of following Jesus is can be a little squishy for some of us. Like, what does that actually mean? So, in this series, we've seen that the idea of following Jesus really comes down to the concept of following a rabbi all the way down in the first century. And that's actually a very defined idea that with any disciple of a rabbi or a teacher is someone who would reorient their life around three major goals. Those three goals are, hopefully you're getting these in your head if you've been with us, right? First goal is what? It's to be with Jesus. Second goal, to become like Jesus. And the third goal is to do 
what Jesus did. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, it means to radically reorient your life around those three goals. And when we are doing that, when we're following Jesus, when we're being with him, becoming like him, doing what he did, then we will become more like Jesus, and Austin will become more like heaven. All right? So that's kind of a big picture of everything that we've been talking about. And in this series, what we're doing is we're kind of drilling down on these three concepts. And so last week, I talked about being with Jesus and how that's possible through the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about becoming like Jesus. And like the idea of this is that we would actually become like him in character. That as loving as Jesus is, and as compassionate as Jesus is, and as merciful and as gracious and as honest and, 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 and just and self-serving, or not self-serving, others-serving instead of self-serving, as Jesus is, like, that's what we would become like. Now, before you say, <laughs> okay, good luck, good luck with that, because I don't think I'm going to ever become just like that. I mean, like Jesus, I'm not going to become like Jesus to that degree. Before we think that way, and I'm tempted to think that way, right? Uh, I want us to go back to the passage that Alice read from Luke chapter 6. Because in that passage, Jesus, it's a very short teaching. It's a short little parable. It's one of the shortest parables in all of Jesus' teaching. But in it, he makes a statement that is very, I think, encouraging. It's definitely profound. And, the, and here's what he says. Okay, he told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The answer to that is yes. Yeah, they will. They both fall into the pit. But he says, okay, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, what's this parable about? It's about discipleship. Right? Jesus is, is talking about what happens and what's, you know, what is the goal of when someone who follows a teacher or a rabbi. And this, this word here for student is, is the word, let's see if I can uh, say it right. I'm rusty with my Greek, but math, mathetes. And that's the word for disciple. It's the exact same word uh, that is translated disciple in every, you know, all over Scripture. But here it's translated student. But the idea that Jesus is talking about is someone who's following their teacher or rabbi that's a disciple. He says, when you do that, you will become like the one that you're following. And so the, the blind here is uh, the blind teachers and blind, it, that's Jesus' kind of shot, if you're familiar, if you read the four Gospels, you know, the shot at the Pharisees. Because he often calls them blind guides. He says, okay, they just don't see God and the ways of God clearly. But if you follow these blind guides, you're going to be led into a pit. It's not going to go well for you because you're going to become like them. He says, student will become or disciple will become like their teacher. And, and just a couple of observations from this. Because this short little teaching packed full of helpful truth. And I find, like I said, encouraging truth. The first First observation is this. Notice that Jesus is saying that the point of discipleship is to become like your teacher. It's to become like your teacher. Second is, in addition, notice that Jesus says it takes training to become like your teacher. When they're fully trained. So it doesn't just happen. It actually takes training. And then third, when Jesus says everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher, that implies that uh, it's a process. When you're fully trained, you'll be like your teacher, but it's a process. So you can have a beginning disciple, and you can have an intermediate or, you know, along the way disciple. It's not fully trained. And then, so that all implies that this takes time. But if you apply this statement that Jesus makes here, 
to us choosing to follow Jesus, then what that means for us is this, that when you choose to follow Jesus and Jesus says, okay, I'm your teacher, I'm your rabbi, he's more than that, but whenever we say, okay, we're going to disciple under him, his goal in you discipling under him is to make you become just like him. That's what he's after. He's not after just you learning the Bible or learning theology or showing up at church on Sunday. That his goal for you is bigger and better and grander and more holistic and more personal than that. He wants to train you to become just like him. To where you love like he loves. To where you are compassionate like he's compassionate. When you see people that are hurting and down and out, that you're not quick to judge them, but you're quick to have compassion for them. To where the idea of loving your enemy actually comes easier for you. Where your, your tendency is not to quickly to lash out at them, but to love them like Jesus. That's what he's wanting to help you become. To where instead of wanting to be served by others, your inclination is to serve others and look out for the interest of others. That's what he's wanting to help you become, that whenever you run into injustice, you're moved to do something about it like he did. He wants to help you become like him. Friends, that's Jesus's goal for each and every one of us that decides to follow him. Now, real quick, I know that there's people all different places in their journey with Jesus in this room right now. And you might be like, well, I'm not real sure if I want to follow Jesus or I'm not even sure he's worth following and all that stuff. And we want you to know, we love that you're here and you're free to ask those kind of questions and to explore and engage with us. You're not going to upset us or hurt our feelings if you're not sure if you want to follow Jesus. Like, we want you to talk about that. We are really glad you're here. But for the rest of us that are like, I want to follow Jesus or I'm considering, I'm really considering, I want you to know that if the the choice to follow Jesus, what you are choosing to opt into is Jesus saying, okay, I want to train you to become just like me. And friends, I don't know about you, but I want that. Like I want to become more like Jesus. And I can guarantee you that Krista, my wife, and our kids would really like it if I became more like Jesus. They would, they're all for that. They're like, you should do that, Jake, right? And, and here's what I guess. The odds are you want to become like Jesus as well, to be as loving and gracious and joyful and, and peace-filled and at rest. And I mean, on and on, like, who doesn't want that? It's the life of Jesus being worked out in us. Yes, I want that. I want that. But here's the problem. Bless you. If we're going to become like Jesus, then that means that we have to change, doesn't it? That there's some cha changing for us to do. Now, I, that might not be true for everyone. I mean, Katie is pretty much just like Jesus. All right, so she's good. But for the rest of us... <laughs> We have, some, yeah, we have some major changing to do. We have some major, and not just tweaks, but like full life transformation if we're going to become like Jesus. The word that the New Testament uses for this kind of radical, all-encompassing, inside-out change is the word transformation. 2 Corinthians verse 3, uh, I mean, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, uh, Paul, the apostle Paul's writing, he, he says this, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being, here's a word, transformed 
into his image, talking about the image of Jesus, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, now this word, transform, that's uh, used here in the Greek, the word is, let's see if I can say, metamorpho-u, metamorpho-u. I think, that, I, think I got it. Matt is, Matt is nodding. Which is, uh, as you can hear, if you kind of pick up on it, it's like, well, that's, that's the word that we get our English word metamorphosis from. That, that's, that kind of radical change is what we're told God is at work to do in us, that we are being transformed into the image of God. And like, it's radical. I mean, go to Merriam-Webster dictionary of what transform is. Let me just read it for you. It's a profound change in form from one stage to the next in the life history of an organism as from a caterpillar to a pupa and from pupa to the adult butterfly. So that's the kind of change that we need in order to become like Jesus. And so the question is, for us, is, well, is that kind of change really possible? Right? I mean, can we really become like Jesus? And friends, the, the answer clearly is no. We can't become like Jesus. No, um. No, in reality, it's wild as it sounds. We actually can. We really can become like Christ. And that's his goal for us is to help us become like him. But if you had asked me that question, is this really possible just a couple years ago? I would have told you yes. And, but I would have been answering primarily from a theological place in my answer. I would say, yeah, biblically, it is absolutely possible. That's what Scripture teaches. But I would be, I would, if I'm honest, and I try to be with y'all, I would lack some confidence. Because experientially, in my own life, I wasn't seeing that. Like, I had felt like I just had hit a wall in my discipleship to Jesus. And it was so frustrating to me because honestly, I was doing a lot of what Jesus did. Okay. I'm pastoring a church and I'm, and I'm caring for the marginalized. I'm serving Jesus, serving others. I'm trying to love my family well and all that stuff. And, and I'm, you know, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm going after my neighbors and friends to help them know Jesus. I'm making disciples. I'm you know, on and on. I'm trying to do a lot of what Jesus did. But in my life, in the deep parts of my heart and in my life, in my character, I should say, my uh, discipleship to Jesus was not touching those things. And like Jesus' teaching about don't worry, which is wild teaching, was, was like just completely lost on me. I was full of stress. I was full of anxiety. And I was really, I was really um, wrecked by any kind of criticism. It, just, it would just really throw me off. And I was uh, very... How should I put it? Um, uh, sensitive at home. <laughs> if anything didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Is that, it can be, I'm so gracious to myself. Very sensitive at home. Now, what, what I mean by that is I would get really irritable. And I, was, I lacked grace and I lacked patience at home. And like things weren't going the way. I would just kind of like lash out. 
It's just ugly. And on top of all that, I just wasn't happy. And not like the point of life is to be happy, but like when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see him just walking around in a, you know, like Eeyore all the time, depressed and all that stuff. Like I, I, I could see like what Jesus was like, the joy in Jesus was not evident in my life. And I just overall was just not well on so many different levels. And it was so frustrating because I just felt stuck because it's not like I wasn't trying to change it's not that I didn't want to change. It's just, honestly, I, I wasn't sure how to change. But then, uh, two years ago, um, some stuff started happening that was literally life-changing for me. And I, I know that that term gets thrown, away, thrown around real loosely these days, but, but it really was. Uh, I started therapy. I started meeting with a therapist, Christian therapist, and he started helping me process some stuff, extremely helpful. And then after that, uh, soon, not, not too, a couple months after that, COVID hit. And now COVID was extremely bad and is extremely bad. Okay, so I want to be clear. I'm anti-COVID. All right, let's, make, let's be really clear on that. However, what came with COVID in the sense of everything getting shut down for a little while and all of the pace of life just kind of cranking to a standstill for a little while, that aspect was extremely healthy for me because what that did is it gave me the opportunity to slow down and to begin again to abide or remain in Christ, to use his language in John 15, 5, to actually uh, remain in the vine. And I began to, as I spent time with Jesus, I also began to find some support, some help in my life that could help me remain in the vine when life started cranking back up. And that was extremely helpful for me as well because, friends, as I said last week, we cannot become like Jesus without first being with Jesus. This is where the life of Christ is produced in us as we remain in the vine. And so I needed to do that, and I needed support that would help me do that, and during these last two years, I have found that, and as I said, it's been life-changing. And what that has done for me is I'm at rest, so much more at rest. I so, have so much more peace and joy, and I'm kinder at home, and I'm more gracious and more loving and I ran all that by Krista, my wife, who's right there. And, and she said, yeah, I, I, I would say all of those things. And so, you know, it, I'm not trying to, like, make me sound good. And if you think I'm lying to you, you feel free to go and ask Krista. And she will tell you the truth, okay? But the, the reason I'm telling you those things isn't because, oh, look at me, look at me. Because, uh, look, I am so far from a finished product. I am not trained to be just like my teacher yet. I have a lot more room to grow. But... Friends, because of what I've experienced over the last two years, I teach, I'm teaching what I'm teaching today, not from a place of theory, but from a place of great conviction and, frankly, excitement for what Jesus can do in your life, that he truly can help you become like him. It's possible. And if, you, if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I just don't know because I have felt so stuck. Like, I just want you, you're not alone. I've been there. Most of us are there, to be honest. That most people want 
Jesus to change them. They're trying to be changed, but they're not changing in their character. And you think, why is this the case? It's because we just don't really know how to change. And it's because we're up against some other forces that are also trying to change us. And so what I want to do, the remaining part of my time here, which I know isn't a lot, but I want to talk about that idea. I want to talk about how we change. And I want to talk about why it's hard to change to become like Jesus. And the first reason why it's hard to actually become like Jesus is because Jesus isn't the only one that has the power to form us and shape us to become like something. Do you know that? Of course we know this, right? Because as to be a human is to be dynamic, not, you know, static. Like we are always in the process of being shaped and formed and, 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 and transformed, if you will, by other outside forces. And so uh, we often don't recognize this and part of us like want to push back against that because we want to got my own person and I'm this individual and all that all that stuff but the truth is is that the, the question isn't are you being formed the real question is who or what is forming you and what is it forming you into and friends there are things in this world that shape you and form you whether whether you are conscious of it or not they, and they're powerful. <laughs> These things, they, you don't have to do anything at all to actually engage with these things in order for them to form you. You just have to wake up in the morning and go to class or go to work or check your phone or go about your day and they are at work shaping you and forming you, and oftentimes in ways that don't make you look anything like Jesus. I call this like unintentional formation. I get these ideas, as I've been saying throughout the series, a lot from John Mark Comer, who's this awesome pastor, <laughs> and I'm still in a lot of his stuff. It's been so helpful for me. It's a lot of the stuff that has, God has used to help me grow over the last two years, so I've been excited to share it with you. But he talks about this unintentional formation. I'm talking about this unintentional formation, these forces that, that shape us to become something that whether we recognize it or not, whether we're intentionally engaging it or not, they're, they're changing us. They're shaping us. They're forming us. Well, what are they? Let me give you a few examples. The first is this, the stories we believe. The stories we believe. And here's what I mean. We are, uh, we all have stories or narratives that we live by to make sense of the chaotic, messy, confusing world that we call home. And these stories we believe shape how we see ourselves and our world. But not all the stories that we are told and not all the stories that we believe are true. And that's a problem because the false stories we believe have the power to shape us and form us. And they don't form us to be like Jesus. And so, for example, appreciate Alex sharing his story a minute ago. That's a great example of a story that we just began to believe, that so many of us believe, that story that he shared where he says, okay, I started to think that my identity, my self-worth was tied up in what I did. 
And so I start believing that it's what I accomplish that proves my worth. And so that determines and shapes your life, how you go after grades, how you do school, what you do after school, that job that you're wanting. And it just drives you and drives you and drives you. If you buy into the story that your worth is tied to what you do, it will shape you and form you. If you buy into the story that money is the root of happiness, then that will shape you and form you and you'll pursue money as a thing that you're looking to to bring you security or significance or the happiness you dream of. It's all about money and all of the priorities fade in the back because this is the story you have bought into, friends, that shapes you and forms you. And there are so many stories that we're being fed all the time they're trying to say, no, this is what life's about, or this is how you get what you really want, or this is what, you know, all that stuff. And if you buy into the wrong story, it's not going to lead you to be like Christ. It's going to change you in ways that will make you much less than becoming like Jesus. That's one of the things that is always at work shaping and form us. There's another one, though, and that's going to be the habits or the things that we do. The habits that we do. Um, you friends, all... All sorts of work has been done over the last uh, few decades in the, in the field of psychology over the idea of the power of habit. It's a great book, actually, by that title. And what's being called out is that we are little more than the cumulative effect of our daily and weekly habits. For what we do shapes who we are, but it actually goes deeper than that. It's also, they're actually finding that what we do actually does something to us. Have you ever heard that? What we do does something to us. For our habits actually get into the core of our being, actually get into our limbic system to where what you give your time to and what gives your attention to begins to shape your longings and your loves and your desires. And so the things we do do something to us. So the more you shop, the more you want to shop, and the more you gossip, the more you want to gossip, and the more you binge Netflix, the more you want to binge Netflix, and the more fantasy football leagues you're in, the more fantasy football leagues you want to be in. That's a shot at Justin. He's not here, but I hope you heard that in the podcast, Justin. What we do forms us. It shapes us. It shapes our our loves and our longings and our desires, and that absolutely has a formation process on our life. So that's always at work. You just wake up in the morning, you go about your day, and you're being shaped and formed by the stories we believe in, believe, and by the habits that we do. And then there's one more, and that is uh, the relationships we are involved in. For we know this, but we become like the people that we hang out with on a regular basis. Odds are that you think like your group of friends or your family of origin or the people that you work with or whoever it is that you spend the most time with, that we begin to become like the people that we spend a lot of of time with. Now, there's one other shaping formation process that is kind of above, it kind of serves as an umbrella of all these other areas, and that is the environment that we live in. And for us, the the main environment that we live in is Central Austin. And if you're new to Central Austin, welcome. Welcome, students. Welcome to UT. You live in an awesome city, but let me tell you something about the city. It's a formation machine. The city of Austin is like a master rabbi, and by living here, you are its disciple. 
And this city has, and I'm talking about it as if it's alive, but in a lot of ways it is, this, this city has an idea of what kind of person it's wanting to make you and make me become. And in this city, there are certain stories that are, are you know, predominant that we're to buy into. And there are certain habits that are championed. And in this city are where you're going to find the friends that will shape you. And all of those things, those three elements within the environment of the city of Austin, they have the synergistic effect to shape you and form you into something that we call an Austinite. And we have an idea when we say an Austinite. Why? Because there is something that we're being shaped and formed into. The longer you're here, the more you'll become like the people of central Austin. And that's not all a bad thing. I love this city. I love, love, love this city. This city is so much better than Houston or Dallas or any of those other places in the state of Texas, right? We love Austin. But the truth is not everything in Austin aligns with the, with the way of Jesus there's a lot of ways that the city of Austin is nothing like Jesus and nothing like the kingdom of heaven. And if we allow the city to form us, then we won't be becoming like Jesus. And if we're not becoming like Jesus, then the city of Austin will not be helped to become like heaven. But we're all being formed. And that's one of the reasons why becoming like Jesus is so hard. It's because I want to become like you, Jesus, and Jesus, you say you want me to become like you, and so why isn't it just happening? The reason why it's not just happening is because we live, we don't live in a vacuum. We live in an environment that is working in a lot of ways against that, and if we don't do anything, then we're not going to stay in the same place. We're going to get swept up into that current. That's one of the reasons why becoming like Jesus is so hard. Changing is so difficult. But the other reason is because even though, because all of that stuff is unintentional formation, right? You don't have to do anything. Again, you just wake up in the morning and that's being done to you. Well, that's different than formation to Jesus. For us to become like Jesus, we actually have a role to play. And that's one of the reasons why it's harder to become like Jesus. Because, listen, we become like Christ as we abide or remain in him. And he bears this fruit in and through us. That's John 15, 5. I think I got it up here, right? Just to look at it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The idea of fruit that Paul picks up, Galatians 5, as we talked about last week, it's the, it's the very life of the Spirit, the life of Jesus being produced in us, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. Guys, like this is what's going to be produced in you as you remain in me. But we have a role to play in that, don't we? Our role is to remain. As we remain, then he changes us. But it actually takes intentionality and it takes perseverance on our part in order for that to take place. Unlike the un unintentional formation, you just wake up in the morning, you're feeling it. Like gravity. It's just there. You don't do anything about it. It's just the world you live in. Here, we have a role. We have to abide. But here's the thing. This these forces, these other formation forces, they actually, they actually work to pull us apart from remaining. I've got a, I've got a picture here. So you've got the vine, and uh, this is us abiding in Jesus. Incredible artwork, right? Y'all like this? Okay. 
But these other forces are actually working always around us, pulling us to where we're being pulled apart from remaining in the vine. And so, what do we do about that? If we're going to become like Jesus, we have to remain in him. We've got these other forces trying to pull us away from him. What do we need? Well, we need what's called a trellis. If you're familiar with vine, your vineyards and all that stuff, right? Boom, look at that. A trellis. How, how cool is that? A trellis actually exists to support the vine branches to help them remain in the vine. And friends, we have to remain in the vine. It's the only way that we become like Jesus. The only way that Jesus' life is producing us is that we remain in him. We cannot become like him without first being with him. But we need help to remain in him. We need support. And specifically, we need support. We need help that will help counteract these other formational forces that are ever-present in our lives. And i got to go real fast here, but let me just list them for you. The first would be biblical teaching. The biblical teaching is so helpful. It's such a helpful aspect of our trellis because it confronts the false stories we believe. See, biblical teaching isn't just about knowing the Bible or knowing the stories or knowing what happened. That great biblical teaching, what it does is that it actually speaks to the lies and the other stories that we are being fed. And it says, okay, this is, let me tell you what reality really is like. So you don't actually have to uh, accomplish a lot in order to prove your worth. Your worth is actually determined not by what you do, but what God in Christ has done for you. You say, okay, wow, that sets, that sets me free from striving. You need biblical teaching in order to uproot or counteract the false stories we believe to help us align with reality. And as we do, that helps shape us into the image of Christ. And here's how. Not because those things shape us, but because those things drive us into him. They support us remaining in Christ so we don't turn and go elsewhere. Friends, this is why being in therapy was so helpful for me. I just sat there and talked, and he said, okay, well, you're, that's a lie, and that's a lie. You're believing lies. It helps uproot these lies. This is why slowing down in the pace of life with COVID was so helpful for me because I got opened up my Bible even more, and, and I started reading these other books, uh, Gentle and Lowly, just a profound book that really helped me see the very character of Jesus and uproot some lies that I began to believe, even about Jesus himself. I mean, it's just so helpful for me. I needed teaching, sitting under Justin's teaching and Matt's teaching multiple times over the last two years. I've just thought, oh man, this is so helpful for me. This is, guys, the sermon on Sundays, podcasts, great books, therapy, wherever you're getting solid biblical teaching, it serves as a strong aspect of your trellis that will help you stay rooted in the vine so you can become like Jesus. That's the first part. The second one is Jesus' practices. Talked a lot about this last week, but what I mean by these, or another term for these, are the, are the spiritual disciplines. These are the, it's the lifestyle of Jesus put into practice. And that as we practice the way that Jesus lived, modeled our life after his lifestyle, to think where he was practicing Sabbath, a whole day for work and work, rest and worship every week. As he practiced silence and solitude, as he was, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, all, I mean, all the different, I can't list them all for you here, but it's these practices that help uproot the unhealthy habits in our life. 
when we replace them with the very habits, practices of Jesus, and they help us abide in the vine. And as I said, as we do these things, as you practice silence and solitude, and hopefully you did that this last week, that was the challenge off last week's message. As you open up the Bible, as you spend time in prayer, as you fast, as you practice Sabbath, these practices not only help root you into the vine, but as I said before, they actually do something to us. They, as you do them, they do something to you. They actually get into the limbic system of your brain and they start changing your very orientation and desires and loves and longings to where not only are you doing these things, but now they are causing you to want to do them more, to want to be with Jesus more, to want Jesus more. And that drives you into the vine so that he can change you. Third thing, Christian community. To offset the negative influences, negative relationships in our lives, we need Christian community. It's going to help us walk with Christ. It's going to point us to him. And it's going to encourage us towards him. And there's so much more that can be said in that, on that. But here's the thing. This is why MCs are so important to us as a church. Because our midtown communities, our MCs are small groups that get together to practice the way of Jesus together in the city. This is why midweek is such a big deal for us, for the college students. This is where we have a community of people that are in each other's lives helping us walk with Jesus, that they would support us as we seek to stay in the vine so that we can become like Jesus. Friends, back to our original question. Is it possible for us to become like Christ? Yes, it absolutely is possible for you to become like Jesus, his character produced in and through you. But you can't do it without him. It's impossible. And you need help to remain in him. You need a trellis. Here's what I encourage you to do, is to choose to intentionally Pursue things that will help you remain in Jesus. For as a, as a church, we have our whole church set up in that way. Sunday mornings is where it's not the only place you can get biblical teaching, but we aim for it here. Our huddles is where we're training people on how to practice the way of Jesus to help you actually adopt his lifestyle, put it into practice. And then our MCs are where we provide Christian community to help you run after him, together. So my encouragement to you as far as application goes is, guys, build a trellis. You want to become like Jesus? He wants you to become like him. It's incredible. The people in your life want you to become like him. This city needs us to become like him if it's going to become like Austin. I mean, become like heaven. (laughs) You need a trellis. You got to remain in the vine. You need support to do so. Commit. Make Sunday mornings a priority. Jump in a huddle. Jump in an MC. Or find another way to get this in your life, but get it in your life. You need it. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.